Crowhill here. Today we review an India Pale Ale and discuss F. Scott Fitzgerald. Hello and welcome to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. Good evening, Pigweed. Good evening, Crowhill. What's on your mind today? The Great Gatsby. Hmm. Yes, yes. You see, it's time for P&C's Shortcut to the Classics. Shortcut to the Classics. All right. And uh, where we've read lots of the world's great authors, so long as they don't uh, get too long about it. Yeah, yeah. We try to keep it under 100 <laughs> pages. And yeah. So this time we went with The uh, Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. But before we get in there, let's get in here. Yeah. So let's, let's take a glance at this beer here. This is... Volpulin Tropical India Pale Ale. Now, lupulin is that's that's the that's what you get out of hops. Lupulin is the is like the oil or the something. Yeah, I think, or I think I think it's even like that dusty stuff. stuff, Yeah, yeah, on the outside of it. Lupulin is the uh, Spanish word for hop. Oh, okay. So that'll make sense. And there's a little fox on it, and it's from Pennsylvania, and it's called a uh, it's a it's not a hazy. No, and it's a tropical. Which means they're using uh, fruity hops. Looks like we've got, oh gosh, got the whole family here. We've got Citra, Mosaic, Cascade, and Centennial. Uh-huh. Can't go wrong there. Got the three C's. But there's a little, there's a little bit of mythology behind this. Oh, one. do yeah. tell. Okay, so we've got this this uh, interesting looking fox on the on the thing here, and that be- that's because hop farmers of the Pacific Northwest have, have reported sightings of an ethereal creature romping around their hop yards under the full moon. Mm. The uh, Vulpus lupulus has been described as a creature made from the vines themselves, causing the plants to wave and dance in the moonlight, even when no breeze is present. Non-believers say it's nothing more than a common fox out on a nightly hunt. While no hard evidence has been documented, we, that is the brewery, not us, happen to believe in these wild tales. Ah, well, yeah, or it could be a chupacabra. It could be chupacabra, although maybe a little too far north for chupacabra. But, uh... but it's good. I like that this has got... Uh... Yeah, good West Coasty, mm. nice tropical kind of mm. aroma to it. I like that. Yeah, that's good. And you're right; it's not. It's a touch hazy, but it's not too hazy. It's not a real beast. It's uh, even six percent. Good yeah. mouthfeel. Actually, that is very nice. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very good. tasty. That's, that's, a, that's a good drinkable idea. Yeah, not really. It not doesn't have the uh, resiny cloying aspects to the to the hops, but it's still the yeah, lingering it's got, got taste. Got a, Serious mouthfeel to it. That's good. Very, very good. Well, it wouldn't be PNC's uh, shortcut to the classics without a uh, contributor. That's right. So uh, we bring in our special literary contributor, Longinus. Welcome to the show, Longinus. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so to, we did. A, there's a slight violation here. We did go uh, over our hundred page. Yeah. And but uh, you know, after a two thirds vote, we decided to allow it. And uh, extra little bit of pages. Although in the in the crappy version that I have, where they put I mean, it in like yeah. ten point tight. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I'm only tight. Uh, <laughs> I'm only a hundred seven pages. Yeah. So. No, I got the Reader's Digest version coming in at about one seventy. Yeah. This mm-hmm. this that's just horrible layout on this. They're obviously trying to save paper on this one because it was, uh, yes. it was a little tight. Well, 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 yes, so, uh, this is PNC's Shortcut to the Classics, and it's not the first one, is it? No, it's we've not. Got we've got a we've done glorious far more, history. Far more than I expected. Me too, me too. After looking into, looking into the history of it, I see that we've, uh, we've done what? We've done, let's, let's do a book first. Okay. We've done um, Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky. Okay, and The Stranger by Camus. Billy Budd by Melville. 
Uh, and then a bunch of short stories by Hemingway. And a series of short stories by, uh, for, by Twain. And then The Battle of Life by Dickens. Death of Ivan Illich by Tolstoy. It's always death with the Russians. Okay. And then, uh, and then a bunch of short <laughs> stories by Jack London. Yes, then, uh, in, uh, in the scary month of October, we yes. did Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And then we followed up with some more, uh, science fiction from Isaac Asimov. Right. And then, uh, when, in the winter time, we did Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton, or <laughs> Edith, Edith Wharton. Edith Wharton by, <laughs> yeah, I get confused on that <laughs> yeah, one too. And then Ellie Wiesel did, uh, Night, which was kind of interesting. Yes, and then this was your choice here. Hound of the Baskervilles by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. And then we did a few interesting choices here. I thought uh, Anthem by Ayn Rand. And then Nature by Emerson. So, wow. I mean, good grief. We've been, uh, we've been reading some books Gosh. here. Yeah? All right. Fantastic. And uh, Longinus has helped us out with all of these. And today we get to go into... What get is to this? We go to Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. yeah well, uh, Let's do we'll, do, we'll do some quick biography. I'm sure after reading a full book on yeah, biography, yeah, yeah, yeah. we could do a whole show on that, but we'll keep it tight. But let me ask you, uh, just what, what about the name? Give me his full name. Francis Scott Fitzgerald. Francis, uh, I think sounds, Francis that reminds Scott me of something. Fitzgerald, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it Fran- key there? yeah he, is, he is a descendant of the, the Francis Scott Key line. Yep. And, and, his, the, and it's, not gonna, it's, it's not our only Baltimore reference in this book. Uh, quick biography. No, no, not yeah. at all. In fact, you will see him go through uh, Baltimore for uh, tragic reasons, but he does that. But also, he has a Maryland connection. His father grew up in the Rockville area of Montgomery County. Huh. Why do you know? And at the end of his life, uh, he was buried, he is buried now in Rockville. Interesting. And so is Zelda. They're right next to, uh, I think the daughter is there, and right next to his mother and father. Well, even even though he was from St. Paul, Minnesota, and she was That's from right. Montgomery, Alabama, Zelda right? was from Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, Scott Fitzgerald's mother was from St. Paul, Minneapolis. Hmm. Okay. Area. So uh, right. So born in uh, eighteen ninety six. I like this here. The dominant influence of on F. Scott Fitzgerald were aspiration, literature, Princeton, Zelda, and alcohol. Does that, that sum it up pretty good there? And money, or, or, or lack thereof. <laughs> right, so... Uh, well, so that's why it fits with beer and conversation with... Beer, it so. certainly does. So he, so he grew up in... Did he grow up in St. Paul? He grew up in... Yeah, he grew up in St. Paul. And then went to Princeton. Went to Princeton. Never finished Princeton, No, he didn't. Like, apparently, he, it looked like he wasn't going to graduate anyway, so he enlisted in the Army, right? Uh, he, he, yeah, he listened into the army, and that's where he met Zelda when he was stationed in Alabama. I can't remember what. what right, what, uh, but it was, it was. Oh, but the war was over before he got shipped out. That's right. He never yeah. he never saw action. No, he didn't and see. he was always. God, uh, God, uh, I bet Hemingway was like, dude. <laughs> well, he was envious of Hemingway. <laughs> he was like, God, Hemingway's done everything. I've done nothing except for drink a lot of alcohol and live in Paris. Right. Uh, so, but his first, so his first. Success was what twenty three or something it like was, that. Tender as the night. Uh, this side of paradise. Oh, this side yeah. of paradise. Okay, came out in nineteen twenty three, and it was a smashing success, and it gave him enough money and enough uh, popularity and fame that he could go back down to Alabama and swoop up the woman he loved. Oh, right, because he, she, he, he. He loved her. He wanted her, but she saw this guy with not much prospect. Uh, yeah, she said. Hey, Funny how you women's don't make uh, attitude changes. Yeah, we're even money. We're, we're, what do you we're know? Stick the economics of sex into this conversation <laughs> here. Yeah. Well, well, well. So anyway, so that gave them. Uh, so then they, they right then they moved uh, to Paris. 
Well, they first lived in in uh, uh, New York. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they went all over the place. F. F. Scott Fitzgerald never owned a home. Interesting. Never had one of those great estates that you know Jay Gatsby had. Or know? yeah, or yeah, just the idea of uh, the the American dream in your little castle piece of land, and you know, huh. he never he never was that. Never guy. got that. So so they they lived all over the place. I think in New York and uh, it was stents back in the Midwest, and then they went to Paris mm-hmm. and lived there for a few years. And besides, but besides that famous novel, his his really really his steady gig was like Saturday Evening Post short stories. Right? He wrote, wow, that'd be uh, a gig. 160 it? some show, right? Yeah, yeah that'd be a lot of fun. Just writing short stories. Just writing yeah, short that's... stories? He, he was yeah. writing a lot of short stories and, they, you know, the, Dude, the right, literary kind of critics. writing for money. Yeah, the literary critics, and he would say so himself. Yeah. And in fact, his editor and Ernest Hemingway would always say it all the time, and all his other friends that you're writing for money. Yeah. This right. isn't really good yeah. stuff. So, so they had well, the. But he was okay. He was yeah. okay with that. Yeah. What's wrong with writing for money? Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> you got an audience. You target the audience. Yeah. You tailor your, your your work for them. I mean, you don't have to write right. for posterity for Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would rather write for money than write for being famous 100 years after I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of well, what happened. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, in, 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 in a way, that was uh, it. And then, um, and, and, and then he, t- uh, two years after, or one or two years after This Side of Paradise, he published The Beautiful and the Damned, okay. which is a huge, I think, four or five hundred page uh, uh, that's slog. Why that's right. To the old... <laughs> and you know what? Although, I do want to interject. Uh, Often the writers are known for their long works, and we're just finding great short works. In this case, really, his best work and his most famous short is his short. Is a short one, yeah, right, exactly. You have to read this one, and then you say, "Hey, maybe I'll go read one of the long ones instead of the other way around." Yes, yes. So, uh, so, right, so, and big drinker, right? Big, big drinker, and you know, a lot of his uh, novels have sort of a a autobiography biographical shadow of his life yeah, so sure. you, so you know, a lot of folks can say okay this scene in the beautiful and the damned was when he was doing this and doing that you know i think but, that's a little inevitable honestly yeah, I think, oh, yeah. I think when, when you're writing you're gonna you're gonna incorporate element you, you have to write about what you know exactly. and what, what you know what is you know. what you know is your life yeah. so you're gonna take elements from your own life and you're gonna twist them and change them and switch them around a little bit but there's always an element yeah, in there's gonna be a woman there a woman in there is going to be a girlfriend you had in in some form, and yeah, or, or yes, or girlfriend that you wanted to have, or, some, or <laughs> yeah. something, right? There's going to be, yeah, there's going to be some elements of your life that you're going to mix together and turn into something. That's just the way it's going to uh-huh. be. And so it's it's, so it's he didn't it's, live, he didn't live lavishly. But he didn't have a job other than being a writer, right? Yeah, I mean, but he always rented the hotels or apartments that were above his pay grade. He mm-hmm. was always out there eating and drinking and spending money that way. So lavishly, he wasn't spending it on on furniture and mansions and things like that. But it was always okay, but a higher end, a uh, higher end sort of type of lifestyle. Okay, but uh, it didn't go very long. What? How? How old was he when he died? He died in 19, I think, I believe it's 1939, and he he was in his early 44, 40s. 44, right? I yeah, 44. Like and, wow. And um, what it was, was up right, it, it was it, he he died he died in Los Angeles because he went out to Los Angeles to be a screenwriter. screenwriter. Yeah. He went out there. He was he failed miserably at it. Right. Um, yeah. And early in his career, he he was ready to be a, a famous playwright. He went to he, in New York, right, to 
right for Broadway, and that our, was a flop. Our listeners are connecting some dots here. Right. I mean, I mean, you've said that he's a heavy drinker like 18 times, and then he died in when he was 40. Yeah. Is there some connection? Well, I don't know. Well, no the, way. Couldn't be. <laughs> I'm just going to take a stand for beer right now. The reason he, he he died of a heart attack, but of course the heart attack was because of complications with his alcoholism. But he was getting his alcoholism under control, as it, as it always in, a, in a, you know in a tragic life. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Cleans up, you know, right before you die. <laughs> just try to get your stuff together, and then you die anyway. So I will. So all right. The, the one thing that is this book, The Great Gatsby, is so far different. From the beautiful and the damned, and this side of paradise, in the sense that this one is extremely well crafted. He yes. really forged and totally. polished this whole thing. And if you go back to the beautiful and the damned, if you go back to this side of paradise, you will see that they're beautiful written descriptions, but they're not really the put together as well. The structure yeah. no, isn't that, there. It's, 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 this it's structure good. is extraordinary. And, now, and he also, he, he was very close to finishing something, right? Another novel. The Last before. Tycoon. Yeah, but did did somebody he, ever pick it up and kind of finish it for him kind of a situation? His, yeah, he, his, his longtime editor, um, friend, well, it wasn't his editor, his friend, uh, um, I'll get it. Malcolm was it? Was it, was it Malcolm Cowley? Uh, anyway, we'll re- Malcolm Holcomb. I'll remember that. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so um, we'll let, get to that. Let's do. Uh, let's do. Because I don't have any. Because I threw my notes away. Uh, oh here. Uh, so let's do. Sometimes we've worked on the Billy Bud. We kind of went through the whole novel and, and analyzed it along the way. And sometimes we do the nuts and bolts of the story. And then come back for analysis. You want to try to whiz our way through what what happens, or do you want to muscle yeah, sure. our way through? Yeah, the, sure. Uh, Let's thing. do that. How, well, we start with just the characters. Uh, all right, because you, because uh, Jay Gatsby doesn't really have a speaking line until the third chapter, so it's mostly the the, the narrator, Nick Nick Carraway, who's uh-huh. the, the second cousin to Daisy, who's a classmate of uh, and it was also a classmate of Tom. So Daisy Buchanan is married to Tom Buchanan. Nick Carraway is the narrator. He's he's a not well off guy who's somehow gets this great opportunity to live in the middle of glitz and glamour in East Egg. Right. So and, this is um, this is uh, on the Long Island Sound. You know, just a short train ride from Manhattan. Right. So you've got you've got Nick, mm-hmm. who's the narrator. You've got Daisy and Tom Buchanan, who are married. You've got James Gatz, who is also Jay Gatsby. You've got uh, Myrtle Wilson, George Wilson, and Jordan Baker. Those are those are kind of the main characters in the story, right? right. So the the and the whole thing takes place in one summer, in almost one location. It that, that it's between New York and uh, East Egg, West Egg, Long and, Island, right? yeah, in Long Island, right. and, uh, Long Island. Uh, and, and over the course of three months. Right. Yeah. It's, it it all takes place in the summer. It's like a, a, a the summer that Nick had when he met this great guy and fell so, in love with these great people. Right. So and they're all well. Look at this. So. Right, so Nick is living in this little house right next to this gigantic house, mm-hmm. and uh, in East Egg, and and they make the distinction between East Egg and West Egg. East Egg is the new money, right. and West Egg is the old money. Right, and they're across they're across the bay from one another. Yes, yeah. yes. So his cousin Daisy and Tom are our old money, our old money. Right, and uh, so uh, he's. So Gatsby just throws these lavish parties, right? And so eventually he goes over and meets and, and uh, meets Jay Gatsby, and and then what? 
Yeah, so he's throwing these parties because he's trying to attract Daisy. Right. Yes. He, he wants to get back together with Daisy. He had had a brief fling with Daisy years before, before he went into the army. And he was in love with her and was, like, faithfully in love with her all this time. And now he wanted to get her back. Knowing that he just, she was old, she was old money. All, all he needed to do was prove that he could be successful. Right. And this was part of a lo- an elaborate... Elaborate scheme. He went out and took some shortcuts and made tons of money and uh, threw these lavish parties in the hopes to draw Daisy back to himself and that she wasn't coming to his parties. So he uh, he did another little wheeze, which was to get Jordan Baker, the tennis player, to ask Nick Carraway, who's the relatively poor guy, who was Daisy's second cousin, to, <laughs> ask, to ask Daisy to come over for, and, for and tea. for tea to meet right. uh, to meet the guy, great Gatsby. Right. And, and so, well, so another important, important details are George Wilson owns a, a garage. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's sort of on the way. Oh, like, right, it's in between the two, and he has a, kind of a chunky wife, Myrtle. You know, I was kind of surprised by that. I, I know, but she was so, but she was kind of plain, right? So Tom Buchanan is handsome. And uh, you know, athletic Big. and and muscular and intimidating right. and uh, and very upper class. And his mistress is kind yeah. of a dowdy. Uh, so so here you go. Yeah. Th- then I heard footsteps on a stairs, and in a moment, the thickish figure of a woman. That's not a great way to start. <laughs> <Thinkish. laughs> yeah, the thickish figure of a woman blocked out the light from the office door. She was in the middle thirties and fairly stout, faintly stout. Okay, right. thickish and faintly stout. Right. We got that. But she carried her surplus flesh sensuously, as some women can. Okay. Her face, above a spotted dress of dark blue crepe de chine, whatever the heck that is, contained no facet or gleam of beauty. But there was an immediately perceptible vitality about her, as if the nerves of her body were continually smoldering. She mm-hmm. smiled slowly, mm-hmm. and walking through her husband as if he were a ghost, uh. shook hands with Tom, looking him flush in the eye. Then she wet her lips, and without turning round, spoke to her husband in a soft, coarse voice. So, yeah, yeah, she's I mean, not... she's, yeah but she's got a sexy, sultry way about her. She, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And, uh, and it's, this is not a secret, right? Uh, people, people, when people hear Tom in the other room on the phone, they're like, he's talking to his mistress. Right, yeah. So including so his early, wife. Early on, Jordan Baker is telling Nick, you know, he's, he's, he's got, got a woman. He's got a woman. He's got a woman in New York. And, and uh, right. yeah, go ahead. And then, you know, Tom decides to hang out with Nick, to invite Nick, and he says, hey, we're gonna go. We're gonna get off the train here. They, they were headed into New York, and they said we're gonna get off the train here. And I want you to. And Myrtle was with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they get the woman on the train too, and they go out and, and they party. They get a puppy. And, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny that the two the two rivals here, Tom and Jay Gatsby, both sort of confide in Nick about their yeah. adulterous ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And right. And, and yeah. Nick is uh, the, the the hinge point. Yeah. Of all of this, because he's a he's a he's a character, and he's the uh, narrator, and what I believe to be a reliable narrator, uh, and an outsider, right? Right. In, yes. In a way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So he's he's he he can relate. Or he can not relate <laughs> to the way, in a way that the reader can right. not relate. Right? We don't have, yeah. we don't know what it's like to grow up inside this old money. Or new money. Or right. new money. Yeah. Yes. So, so Nick he, Nick is the everyman. Yes. He gets thrust in the middle of this conflict between old money, new money, and, and the things that are going on between Tom Buchanan and Jay Gatsby. All right, so that's, all right, so uh, plot-wise, plot 
they 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 meet. Their sparks are flying right between Daisy and Jay, just like he knew Gatsby, like he knew they would. Right. And uh, let's get to the fateful day. Well, let's back up just one All little right. bit. So um, it's never explicit in the book that Gatsby and Daisy are having an affair. But it's strongly implied. It but, is, and I, I remember yeah, reading somewhere yeah. in the in the, the preface or something that, that you know that they had consummated this relationship. I'm like, like really? I didn't, I didn't see, see that. that. <laughs> no, I didn't read that anywhere. So yeah, it was it was fairly clear. Well, I don't know. I guess they never never really made it explicit with you, Tom and and uh, Myrtle well, either. But yeah, you also have. Gatsby fires all his servants and then hires folks from Wolfshine because Daisy comes over often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and in that way, you see that maybe I think, that they're having... I think the underlying assumption is if some guy is off with some woman privately, something's going on. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, 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 and that's a fair assumption. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. That is right. fair. So they're all together, and uh, gosh, it makes... It's, I just got sweaty... What, reading this, that, that passage, there's so much sweating going on. People complaining about the heat. Oh, it was the summertime, and there's no air conditioning. That's yes, yeah. and they're you know, Gatsby's in a flannel suit, of course. Right. Yeah. So hey, anyway, so, so we've got yeah, so all of them: Nick, Nick, Tom, Tom. Daisy, um, and Jordan. Jordan. Right. They say you know they're like let's just go into the city. Yeah. So they get in his and Gats- and Gatsby. Gatsby's and Gatsby. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. and and. Gatsby's got this cream-colored uh, might as well be a Rolls-Royce. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't really say what it was, but yeah. some gorgeous convertible. Mm-hmm. And Tom's got this snazzy blue coupe. And they, right. uh, like they switched drivers. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't quite understand. But it was, I want to drive your car. You drive my car. It was yeah. necessary for the plot that they switch cars up because when they stop at uh, they stop to get some gasoline. Yes. At George Wilson's shop. Yes. And they're coming in the uh, in one of the cars, so. Myrtle sees that Tom is in one of the cars, and he and Tom even tells George that this is mine. Mm-hmm. Right, and that was Gatsby's yellow. It was car. Gatsby's car, right? And he tells him that that, that he is because George has been bugging him about buying some old car that he yeah, has for right. whatever okay. reason. But anyway, so so George thinks it's his car, and and, and Myrtle more and Myrtle importantly thinks, thinks it's, it's, his, the, car. it's right. his car. So they go into the city, and they're all hot and irritable, and and Tom is now. Aggravated by this, what he can tell this flirty flirtiness that's going on with those two, even though he's got a mistress. Yeah, but you know, Tom, the Toms of the world don't think that way. (laughs) So what goes on is that's when we get the big confrontation where where they get to New York and then they have a little bit of right. Gatsby's trying to tell Tom that Daisy's leaving him to be with Gatsby, and so Daisy is now stuck in this situation where Gatsby's Uh, saying. Tell him that you never loved tell him. him and, yeah, tell yeah. him you never loved him and you want to run off with me and it's all over and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, eh, uh, yeah, I love you. I love you both. I can't, I can't say I never I loved Tom. I can't say I never loved Tom, even though he is kind of a bully and even though he does have a mistress. Right. I uh, can't say right. I never loved him. And, you know, they've got this bottle of booze that they never open and then they all get aggravated and just say, forget it, let's go home. Right? right? Yeah. So, and they, they switched cars. They switched cars, which is funny and uh, and th- i thought this was odd that tom says yeah go ahead gatsby take you know take my wife in your car on the isn't that a little weird yeah they just had this little yeah. tiff about 
those two spending too much time together. But Tom, now Tom is basically saying, I'm so sure of my position. You can go ahead and ride with her on the car home. I know, you know, I know I won. So, uh, so Gatsby's driving back with Daisy in the car. Although what actually turns out is Daisy's driving the car. Right. But we don't, we'll find that out a little bit later. Yeah. And because when they, who get, they pull, they, Tom gets there second. Yeah. So, so, uh, Daisy's driving. Gatsby's in the car. They're getting toward the gas station. Myrtle sees the car, thinks it's Tom, because he's the one who drove it on the way up. Yes. She runs out to say hi. Daisy runs her over, kills her. Yes. Rips her breast off. Yeah. It's yeah. A nasty scene. Blasted. And then, uh, and then doesn't stop and plows on through. And then Tom, then Tom comes along. Tom comes along and sees what's happened. And, There's a and bit of a scene there with the Greek diner owner guy. Yeah, and he's upset. He like calls Gatsby a coward because I mean he he accuses Gatsby of being a coward because he didn't even. He stop. doesn't say anything when 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 the, when the diner when the Greek diner guy says it was a yellow car. Then Tom goes, "All right, I know who it is," but he doesn't rat him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the process, they uh, so uh, Gatsby goes to they they take Tom's car to Tom's house and take a cab back to Gatsby's house. Yeah, right. Uh, it's Gatsby's house, but Tom Gatsby drops off Daisy at her house and then drives back to his house and puts it in the barn, puts or the it, garage, yeah, puts or it in the garage so to hide it. Yeah. Right, so uh, right. and then yeah. he goes back and and like hangs him, out. Yeah, to make sure that Daisy's okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's the cab situation. Yeah. He's back to yeah. her place. Goes goes back to the Buchanan's place, and he's like sitting out in the yard watching to make sure Daisy's okay because he's afraid that Tom's going to come back and beat her or something. Thanks for joining us for Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill, where you'll find lighthearted chats and deep dives. We hope you enjoy our beer reviews and banter. After which we cover everything from Tolstoy to Thomas Sowell. From God to the Green New Deal. From UFOs to UBI. From Ted Cruz to time travel. From home brewing to homeschooling. From transcendentalism to trans madness. You can reach us with your question or comment at pigweedshow at gmail.com. Well, so husband George, the uh, cuckolded, cuckolded, uh, just husband. down in the mouth. He's just a sad, terrible. He character. is a sad guy, yeah. in, but, but he has plans. So he kind of locked her up because he has, they, he has plans. Get this car from Tom, sell it, make some money, and get out of there because he suspects rightly yeah, that she's happened. having a, that yeah. she's having an affair. Right. So she's basically captive. Yeah. So when she when she when she runs out, she's not just running out to say hi to. She's kind of like rescuing, kind escape. of. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, get out. Of she here. gets run over by the car. Right. And uh, so, uh, George, is this all taking the same day? Evening? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's does a George, long day. Does yeah. George? Does George? Go out. Sir, uh, no, or is no, no, it no. It's, not, day? it's the following day because okay. remember there was that the scene day. about the guy said he was going to drain the pool, and Gatsby says no. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, evening yeah. of the just, next day, right? Yeah, yeah, right, because yeah. right, right, now it's oh, it's oh, it's September, and she's like, I never even swam in the thing. Yeah, I want to swim in the pool tomorrow. So it's the next day because there's this long scene where some of George's friends are trying to console him and get him to get over his misery and everything. So George True. goes out to. Um, Enact revenge on Gatsby. So he's, he's, so he's basically right, so he's just driving around going. Anybody know any, uh, somebody with a big, huge yellow car? Does anybody know? Any yeah. Other, yeah. Well, he, and he goes to Tom's house. He he, he, he has Tom with uh, carrying a piece. 
That's right. Because the first thing he does is he gets the gun. Yeah. And then he goes to talk to Tom, and Tom probably lets him know what. Because Tom, right? Because, and Tom's not a not a snitch here in the, in the, in the sense that a, well, a he hates Gatsby. Well, threatened by Gatsby, and he one hundred percent thinks that Gatsby was driving. Right. So he's just like, eh, well, I wasn't gonna say anything, but now the guy's got a gun on me, and guess what? He did it. So George goes Piece back. Of crap. To the, goes back to Gatsby's place. Gatsby's swimming in the pool. Shoots Gatsby. Gatsby's yeah. dead in the pool, and then shoots himself. And then shoots himself. In the right. Lawn. So we got three it. bodies at this yeah. point: Myrtle, George, and Jay Gatsby. Yeah. Jeez, but the 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 the, uh, the layers, the, the the way that the relationships come together, uh, and so what? A, so in the end, everybody moves back to the Midwest, right? Uh, yeah, I know that Tom and Daisy disappear, and Nick isn't sure where they go. And uh, Jordan moves on. Jordan and, oh, we didn't mention this. Jordan and Nick were having somewhat of a relationship yeah, over this time. Yeah, something. Nice yeah. And, uh, and, but that breaks up towards the end, and Jordan ends up engaged to some other guy and moves on. And uh, let's see. Myrtle and George are both dead. Tom and Daisy <laughs> move away. Nick moves away. Gatsby's dead. So, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, going right. from east and west. Dead. Yes. Yep. Right. So, right. New York is cleared out of all of the characters even where the these entire thing took. Right. So, sheesh. So, the question is... Well done. So, let's yeah. so let's uh, do what we call... Let's do the circle back here. Uh, right. Well, so the question is, I mean, there's not much action in this novel, right? I mean, well, I mean, there is a... Car hitting a person, but that's that's about it. And a couple of right. Gunshots, I mean, the, that one that one day, subdued. everything takes place. Yeah. Everything yeah. takes takes place in one day, and it builds up a uh, 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 slowly. Let's. But why why is this captured the imagination of of our country? Why is this book probably one of the the few books that is still read? In high schools and in, in college yeah. freshman yep. classes, yep. it is. Uh, it is the, one of those because a quintessential American novel, and the canal. So I would say, or ask you, gentlemen, how does Jay Gatsby represent the nineteen twenties man? Because the, well, the interesting one thing first, it's hard to write about your time. Yeah, he's right. He's he. This was published in. He's writing, it, it, yeah, about 1922. Right. You know what I mean? So there's no perspective. There's no distance to, to, to reflect back on your time, which I think is easier. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that he captures the, the, the angst, the time, the, the, uh, of the 1920s. Of the 1920s. So we've got, so we've got Yeah, what's going on? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's right after World War One. So right. you've got the dissolution of, you know, right. civilization, really. Yeah. War to end all wars, right. But there's all there's also this yes. incredible this incredible feeling of uh, so before World War One there was this feeling that everything was getting better we were moving towards peace the world was was mm-hmm. get, getting better all the time and then and that, World War One right. absolutely crashed those yes those and that, that right that modernism mm-hmm. technology yeah. etc right. was going to make life better for everyone right and what they discovered was that modernism is, made better machine guns this is right? what we yes. get <laughs> right so right. so th- there was this there was in some sense a despair. And then there was prohibition, and then people like flagrantly Which more, violating more despair, more despair. People flagrantly violating prohibition, and then you had this this big class difference where you had uh, people with lots of money mm-hmm. who were ostentatiously spending it, 
Uh, so you had all these different things going on in the culture at the time. And, and then, you know, I, I didn't know that he, uh, he coined the term the Jazz Age. So there was, oh. uh, you know, some sort of, the book, the, the book that I read, the preface was written in the 80s. And the, so he was talking about the sort of talk of conspicuous consumption mm-hmm. of the 80s and relating it to <laughs> the, the 20s. So he, he, so I guess it's one thing, he captured all of that. He captured the American dream, the problems of the American dream. The problems with the right the new money, old money. Yeah. Uh, See, I I'm not so positive about this whole American dream. I mean, I, I've seen this this theme. Some people were saying that Gatsby represents the American dream because he went out and made something of himself. But but what I see instead is Gatsby taking shortcuts. I no, I think yes. I'm saying I I think that at the t- hmm. pre. World War One. This American dream idea was pure, mm-hmm. and he's saying it's been kind of corrupted. Mm-hmm. That you know that that this this American dream getting there. Yes, you can do shortcuts, which brings me to the Wolfsheim. We didn't talk about Wolf. Wolf right, Wolf right, Shine. we haven't. He so he's a shaky. Wait, let's back. Well, let's, you want to do? Let's let's do Gatsby. Gatsby, who is Gatsby? Yeah, and what are what are what what is the truth and what is rumor? Yeah, I think because that's because that's very important. Yeah, so he's, I think you get to it too. Go. I mean, I mean, at the end of the book, you you get to who he was. So, right? so when he but when when Nick first goes over to the parties, there's uh what there's this, there's discussions of oh you know who, what who, I, right? I think he was who a Germ- is he killed a man a German he might have been a German spy right. Every- there's all these rumors swirling right. around him, and nobody I heard, knows I heard who the from heck a man is. that knew him and grew that grew up in Germany. No, it couldn't be that. He was a, an American in the, in, the, in the war. You look at him sometimes and he thinks nobody's looking at him. I'll bet he killed a man. Yeah. And then there's the other, the other, the other one he... That's, he, that's repeated in an interesting way in the, his conflict with Tom, where he says, he says he looked like he killed a man. You yeah, right. Yeah. What is right? that? Right. He says, uh, there's somebody else saying, he's one of the, one of the young ladies that just at the parties. He's a bootlegger. One time he killed a man who found out that he was the nephew to von Hindenburg, the second cousin to the devil. Right. Oh, reach me a rose, honey. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I... So, so, so before, we get, before we kind of get to the, to the truth, all you get is, is uh, rumor and innuendo. And then finally, when you hear it from, Ga- from Gatsby's mouth, he talks about being a war hero... How he got all of these medals, including one from Montenegro, and that he was at Oxford. And guess what? Oh, he just happens to have the medal and a picture of him in Oxford in his pocket. <laughs> okay, right. So is that is that confirming, or is that just a little bit too much too much preparation? It's to it's, show that you're. That's here. one of the tensions you have. Which going is such on. A, which, I mean, so which so beautifully says, laid out. By yeah, it. Nick says in the beginning, Gatsby, who represented everything for which I have unqualified, unaffected scorn. Uh. But then he says. Gatsby turned out all right at the end, and he doesn't—he doesn't really believe him. He doesn't believe no. who he—he think—he thinks this is all phony, this is all lies. But then, as the book goes on, he starts to kind of believe Gatsby's well, story. No, and every time there's a confirmation, he's like, "Oh God, I'm so glad. I, yeah. I did not want to think that he was a liar." Yeah, right. um, but he, he was sort of right. So he's an Oxford man. Look, here's a picture of me in my cricket outfit. Yeah. At Oxford, and when he's pushed to it, what's the what's the real deal with the Oxford? He was situation? only there for a few weeks, right? As sort of like for a short visiting. period of time. Yeah. After yeah. World War One, right. the officers were allowed to attend any school that they wanted. So he goes to Oxford, gets a few pictures, 
And then and says, "Yeah, I was at Oxford." He goes, "Wouldn't call myself an Oxford man, Oxford," as the Wolfsheim says. So, yeah, right. So is he an Oxford man? Yeah, yes, sort of. And yeah. No, he's, and, and, and everything guy... about his past is kind of yes and no, and like he owned a string of. He made some money owning drugstores, but at the time, you could write a prescription for booze yeah. at a drugstore. So was he a bootlegger? Well, yes and no. And, it, right? and there's Everything also things about, about him, like fixing the World Series and some other. There were some other things that he was interested oh, in. See, that that gets back to me to the uh, the American dream. This, so this is the American sport, and the American dream. Part of the American dream is shortcutting, like mm-hmm. you said, right? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna kind of you're gonna cheat your way to the the great game actually if if it if it hadn't actually happened it would be a beautiful scene to write into a book but yeah it did actually happen yeah so gatsby is we do have people in this in this story who actually followed the american dream like gatsby's father Mm -hmm. gatsby's father is an honest guy who builds up a life and he's uh not gatsby he's gats right right and he um you know, he, he failed, worked, he he failed at one business and then came back and got a string of grocery stores. Yeah, or something. Or something. Yeah. But he, but he worked hard and did okay. And so you have you have that side of things. But then Gatsby is the guy. He's the guy who's the bullshitter. He's the guy who's pretending that he's what he's not. But then you're you're really not sure is he as good as he's saying. But is he is he, a self. But so but he's he a self made man. man. But and, he yes. did, and he did get there but, by by grit and determination. Yes, and he's it's so all it's, to get Daisy, but. Right, which, which, kind under, which, kind of, well, which kind of like, undermines the whole, the, the, the fact that the motivation was a chick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, just to me, feels like, all right, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, you're impressive without being admirable. Hmm. Hmm. But there's also the fact is that, that Jay Gatsby's father, he may have gotten the American dream, but it was always far short of oh, yeah. his desires not, not, of fulfill, it, fulfillment in any way. Yeah. You know, and look at, you know, look at uh, Jay Gatsby. Now, he's he's got it all. It's almost like, you know, well, first of all, it's it, it's it's a commentary on the American dream in some yeah. ways by looking at it. Uh, it's also a commentary on of, you know, the dream that we have as as young people and that as that dream guides us to our goals and to our future. And that dream is just delusory right it's it's illusory it's something that, that you can't get to you can't repeat the past as of course as, you can right right, <laughs> right. That's, that's what he says we're talking about yeah. and what, what i found interesting was that at no point is 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 gatsby crossing his fingers going i hope this works out i hope this works out i hope this works out of course it's going to work out right i mean he doesn't have he he doesn't have plan b he he it, it, the failure is not an option, as they say. He, he's he's the right. character. He's the character that you run into in in modern stories nowadays. Who's just this ridiculously overconfident. Uh, yeah. You know, he's he, there's this there's this guy I've been hearing about recently, a guy named Grant Cardone, who just sort of like wills himself into yeah. success. You yeah. know, and it's a bunch of bullshit, right. and he, he it's a bunch of lies and and whatever. But the bottom line is. He's got a bunch of money, and yeah. he's got the big house, and he's actually made it. But the way he's made it is mm-hmm. not is uh, you know. And, you don't and like the it thing so is, much. so the, the the new money old money clash is, you know, the, the new uh, old money, you grow up cultured, you're exposed to culture. And there's a difference between genuinely cultured and the affectation, 
right. of being cultured. Yeah. And I think that Gatsby, you know, wants to present himself as cultured without really caring particularly that much about culture. Right? Yeah, and, and he's also wearing this this garish pink suit, and he's got other kind of right, things going on. It's a pink suit for God's sake. So, so he, hasn't, says. he hasn't really, he doesn't really have it down. He hasn't figured out the how to look like a rich guy part. <laughs> so, what do you think about what? What do you think about how the story presents class conflicts between classes? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I okay. well. The ash heap is where the lower class is. That's where uh, Wilson lives. That's where Myrtle is, and so, that is just a, a wasteland, right? Well, I had my old my old my old college book. Said, I, had, I had wasteland written in the side, and so I looked it up. And Elliot T. S. Eliot's wasteland was 1922, right? Right. So right. that's clearly it, it's, on it's, his mind. It, yeah, it's 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 almost yeah. It's it's, right. it's clearly a, an allusion to it. Yeah. But I, but I think it's it's almost a fact is that the lower class is just getting eaten up and devoured by the upper class, including Jake Aspen. Right, exactly. Because if I if I try mm. to go through the different characters and put them in working class, new rich, or old money, right. then you've got in the working class you have Myrtle and George Wilson who both die, but James Gatz before he becomes Gatsby, Gatsby, he's also working class. Definitely. And, but then he becomes the newly rich Jay Gatsby. And then you got the old money is Tom and Daisy Buchanan. And Nick, Nick, I guess, is he's sort of in between. He's sort of middle class. He's not, yeah, not working I mean, he class. Did, he, he did go to Princeton, right? Yeah. And he had, had a decent job trading. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, so, you know, he's, so he's, he's not making great money, but he's, you know, wears a suit to work. Yeah, know? he's so, and, sort of in between here. But, but all, the, all the people who started off working class, James Gatz, Myrtle, and George Wilson, end up dead. Right. And the and the guy who wins, if you're going to pick a winner here, is Tom Buchanan, because he's of old money. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's the old money that he's already established, and he doesn't need to have the American dream, right? Because he was born, born into with, born, born into, into money, and also yeah. so he doesn't really right, born, right, right. The American dream is is is, is climbing to the American. Dream. Yeah, if you're born into it, you're not. That's not really the American dream. You're just. He's, he's there. not only born into it, but he also gets the genetic lottery. He's a big, big, strong, imposing <laughs> yeah. fellow. And you know? and, and uh, whatever Daisy says about loving him and uh, loving, no, loving Gatsby, it's all true. But Daisy was never going to marry for love. Right. This is this, right. She's of that class. And yeah, even though Tom's it. a bit of a bully and a jerk, philanderer, well, this is what we do. Yeah. You know. Uh, hold, on, hold on, I got a, I got, right at the very end when, when, uh, when, when Nick is just kind of wrapping things up, he saw, he talks about the Buchanans, he says, they were careless people, Tom and Daisy, they smashed things up, they, sma- they smashed up things and creatures and then retreated back into their money or their vast carelessness or whatever it was that kept them together and let other people clean up the mess that they made. That's, that's a, that is great oh, yeah, right, right there, but it also says, yeah, it also captures that that class. Yeah, and, and Daisy was definitely she. She had a very low view of women. Like when when she had a child, she had a daughter, and she found out that it was daughter, and she kind of <clears> cried. <throat> and then she said, "I'm glad it's a girl, and I hope she'll be a fool. Right. That's the best thing a girl can be in this world—a beautiful little fool." Yeah, uh, uh, another. I mean, that, this thing is riddled with great with great lines. Right. That's that's yeah. another yeah. one too. That's been repeated. That's fantastic stuff. Yes. So, uh, uh, now, so, the fact that 
we mentioned this earlier, that the fact that all of these characters are are Westerners, everybody is. What is up with that? That, that they're all, the main characters are they're all from the West. Back then, the West was Chicago. We're not talking about the real West. West well, was Chicago. The, the, the Midwesterners come east mm-hmm. for what? Why, why, why is that important? Do you think that uh, that they're out of out of their element, and they all, and they all end up? It's almost it's almost up like they're all going from the mm-hmm. the real America into the pretend America. Uh-huh. You know, into the yeah. into into this big. This this place where everything is what you, what you pretend to be, and all these it's, airs that you put on. Right. It's, it's, you know, it's New York, and it's glamour, glitzy, and it's yeah. right, and it's it's uh, it's flappers and right. uh, Broadway, and is I guess they're thinking that this is that this is a step up for them, like the right that probably still feel Chicagoans, even with all their money, probably feel a little provincial. Yeah. Compared to the sophisticated New Yorkers, and you know what? If you're gonna, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And so they go to New York, and it's a damn disaster. And, and you know, it's it's the reverse of go west, young man, and that's where you can find your dreams. And maybe that's was the whole idea of the you know, well, a rendition of the American dream. I'm gonna go out and find myself a farm. And I'm gonna grow there. I'm gonna. Build myself a house and have a yeah, family, and right. that's that's going to be the that good was thing. the American dream. Right? A little piece of land, and eventually uh, you have kids, and the kids grow up, and they're like, "This is for the birds, man! I want to go." <laughs> the really American dream is New York. Right. That's where the yeah. fun is. That's where I can make yeah. myself. I yeah. I could be uh, yeah, somebody there. Yeah. I could be something there. Yeah, but what you can be there is a phony. I think is, is part, uh, yeah. well, there is I a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think Fitzgerald is is almost saying that the well, let me put it in a question. Is Fitzgerald saying the American dream is is a phony, that it is tragic, that there is no such thing as actually really acquiring a little, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that he's saying across the board that's the case, right. yeah. but guess what? I'm a little disillusioned about how this is this is going <laughs> along. I mean, it was the, that whole post World War One yeah. circle was uh, about the disillusionment. Yeah, see, I don't think it doesn't I don't mean that you've given up on it. Yeah, I don't think he's making a commentary on the American dream in general. Mm-hmm. I think he's ta- he's taking a little snapshot of what but this his age. Uh, what yeah, what things are like in in this this part of the world. I don't I don't think he's trying to make some grand point. Out, yeah, about, I mean, I, I think you could, because at any time you, you could say, all right, the time I'm living in in the 20s is a little messed up, but it doesn't mean I'm giving up on the on America mm-hmm. altogether. All but guess what? It's got its problems. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, 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 it's showing its flaws. Uh, back to Gatsby, you know, saying that sort of lack of depth and culture, that his relationships are so superficial is is painfully evident at the funeral, mm. right? Yeah, he's got Nick, nobody. Nick is scrambling to find anybody. Right. All those hundreds of people that came to his party. And who shows up? Even Wolfsheim is like, you know, I don't I really. When my it. guy, when my guys die, when people around me die, they're not get involved. Yeah. One guy, call, one guy calls up, and says, "I left a pair of shoes." He says, "Well, can you come to the? Funeral? Eh, I got a thing going on, but yeah. could the butler send my good shoes?" Right. Yes. His father shows up. His father shows up, and somebody else. The 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 wolf 
eyed glasses guy that they met in the library. Who was yeah, yeah, wandering yeah. around uh, right. looking, at, looking right. at his books. The old nerd, who kind of reminded me of me, by the way. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, these are real books in the library. <laughs> these are the real things. Oh, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. shows up. He does. You know, he but, does. Um, I, I mean, I got, you know, there's, there's classic lines here. Here's, here's oh, one that, um, Nick Carey is describing and trying to understand who Jay Gatsby is. Okay. And he says, the truth was that Jay Gatsby was West Island, West Egg, Long Island, sprang from his platonic conception of himself. He was a son of God, a phrase which, if it means anything, means just that. And he must be about his father's business, the service of a vast, vulgar, and meretricious beauty. So he invented just the sort of Jay Gatsby that a 17-year-old boy would be likely to invent. And to his conception, he was faithful to the end. And if you go back to the end, yeah. when he's talking to the real father, his real father shows Nick a, a copy of Jay, Jay Gatsby's book hop along castle oh right and in there it talks about his little schedule there yep. showing right. how determined he was to be somebody right. hold on I, I'll, I'll, let me let me get to your previous point before you get to that one uh that he he didn't have a mature and developed sense of where he was going exactly he was trying to be a, the, the, what a 17 year old would think that a successful man should be, right? Rather, mm -hmm. you, 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 and right? he never let Which go I, of it. No, he didn't. Right. And then, so right. go, go back to his, uh, his, his his schedule, his like Ben Franklin style right. schedule. Yeah. Rise from bed six a.m. Dumbbell exercise and wall scaling. Has anybody ever done wall scaling? <laughs> no. Study electricity. Uh -huh. <laughs> Work baseball and sports four thirty to five. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, get a schedule. Practice elocution, poise, and how to attain it. Yeah. Study needed inventions, 7 to 9 p.m. <laughs> you know, and then it goes to general results. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you see lists like that yeah. by other, like uh, George Washington had lists yeah, yeah, of, yeah. you know, right. how, how he was going to behave. And it's, it shows a level of, of ambition and planning and forethought, discipline, discipline uh -huh. that are all in some ways very admirable, but... In in the Gat in Gatsby's case, it seems like there was a level of sort of superficiality yes. and and almost uh, some sort of psychological uh, dysfunction going on yeah, in the way exactly. he pursued these things. Yeah, that uh, that. Uh, all right, let's, let's, where are we now? All right, let's kind of wrap this thing up here. Uh, well, how about let's wrap it up with the with the the title. It's it's, it's ironic, right? It's it's. Uh, it's like the great Houdini, the great Santini. Yeah, what makes him great? Yeah. What makes Gatsby I mean, great? Yeah. The, the, he's more of like, uh, yeah, well, a, a magician, not really not really a man of greatness. How, how about this? He was the most authentic character in the book, except for maybe Nick Carraway, but he was the most authentic character because... He was true to his inauthenticities, if anything. <laughs> Whereas the other ones, uh, Daisy and Tom, they were uh, totally authentic and funny. But they had their money to go back on and they broke things and let other people, let other people clean, clean things up. up. This. Wow. There, there is that famous quote, which I'm trying to find, where uh, Nick, right before... Um, 
right before the light, like close to the last time he sees Gatsby, says, "You're better than all of them." That mm-hmm. that uh, you yeah, know, yeah. You remember that quote? I mean, he was a good, uh, he was a good chap. He was uh, right. He did. He, uh, His heart a drinker, was too pure. He maybe. wasn't a philanderer. He wasn't. Uh, he he did have he did have a single mindedness. So well, there's a quote early in the book where he would never even look at another man's wife, wow. but he he got through various channels, got Nick to get Daisy away from her husband. Yeah, to, he's a little manipulative, and, and but, he has this shaky... But that was, he was like single, he was singly focused on Daisy. Yeah. and But he had nothing to do with any other women. He, and that's part of the appeal that Gatsby had to Daisy, you have to think. That here he was, it's five years later, and he's been solely focused on her all this time. That's uh, got to be... You don't find that flattering, yeah, uh, yeah, Daisy? That's, that's got to be cracked. Yes, yeah. But, yeah, but still, there's. Uh, I think the problem ultimately is the uh, old money, new money thing, that even though he's rich and he's got the fancy house, she's grown up in a certain way, and she'd rather put up with Tom's crap than... Yeah. I, 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 that... There's a slight bit of authenticity to Daisy in that she wasn't willing to say, no, I never loved Tom. Right. You know, so she wasn't willing to go the length that Gatsby was asking her to. And and perhaps that was like, okay, you're being a little crazy here. Right. You know, I'm not yeah. comfortable with this. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, uh, okay, it's totally a, flattered. Yes. I get it, thanks. Yes. But seriously, but you... This you're, sounds a little sick. You're not even... Right. You're, <laughs> you're, you're not even entertaining the idea that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Right? You're already like, all right, I'm going to... Tom, Daisy, both of you need to understand this is happening. You're out. I'm in. Right. Because I all say right. so. Yeah. Because yeah. look at me. I've gotten everything I wanted. Right. Because... This, yeah. this is what I do. With my own effort. Yeah. yeah with my own right. effort and my shady dealings and I may right. have killed somebody. Yeah. So... <laughs> Here's the, here's the last three paragraphs. Okay, bring okay, it. Go for it. And as I sat there brooding on the old, unknown world, I thought of Gatsby's wonder when he first picked out the green light at the end of Daisy's mm-hmm. dock. He had come a long way to his blue lawn, and his dream must have seemed so close that he could hardly fail to grasp it. He did not know that it was already behind him somewhere back in the vast obscurity beyond the city where the dark fields of the Republic rolled on under the night. Gatsby believed in the green light, the orgiastic future that year by year recedes before us. It eluded us then, but that's no matter. Tomorrow we will run faster, stretch out our arms further. And one fine morning, so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Oh, F. Scott, F. Scott, F. Scott. Well, I, 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 I read it twice under duress for, under literature teachers. Yeah. I read it this time for pleasure and it was pleasure. Yeah. And I, uh, it's a good I story. recommend it. It's a good yes. story. Yes, worth reading. Do we, okay, so I know. this has been uh, a long one. It has been a long one. Let's just, yeah. Just call these, it. These, these guys are, are, this is the man. Well, the, the rich fullness of each character. I think sometimes authors just have something that they want to say, and so everybody's kind of set, has the same vocabulary and kind yeah. of seems the same because what you're really trying to do is get out your message. Yeah, yeah. These, see, I just, I feel like those people still are, are out there somewhere that, uh, you they know. each have an interesting little twist to them. Uh, yeah, they, you yeah. know, they have their own manner of speaking and, and, yeah. 
It's yeah. descriptions of, 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 of the physical characters, of their movements, of their actions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Each character really seen. There's yeah. also an interesting, an interesting mix of uh, it's like synesthesia, where you'd be describing a sound using a color, or you'd be describing uh-huh. a color using a taste, that, that sort of thing. That, that was kind of an interesting little twist in the way you, way you wrote the book. All right, Jedi. Good job. Uh, stay tuned for our next shortcut to the classics. Yeah, and if, you, if, you, if you guys have a particular book you want to recommend. Under you know, 100 pages. Under 100 pages. It's got to be, <laughs> be classic. Under 100 pages. Write to us at pigweedshow at gmail.com. All right, cheers. All right, here we go. Cheers. If you like Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill, please like it. Share it, give us a good review, post it to Facebook, all that good stuff. Thank you so much.